our long national nightmare is over. In his first 45 Major League at-bats, O'Neill Cruz did not walk a single time. For O'Neill Cruz, there are only two true outcomes, and most of them are strikeouts. Cruz was 0 for 4 last night, no walks, three strikeouts. He left six men on base. Buck goes loose. But today, in the second inning at D.C., O'Neill Cruz walked. Hallelujah. Someday O'Neill Cruz may indeed be better than Andrew McCutcheon, like the B team says, but not till he learns to control the plates. And by the way, O'Neill Cruz shows no signs of wanting to walk or trying to walk, which makes you wonder what he's been taught. This makes you wonder about the Pirates organization's developmental ability. He's kind of got a touch of the Polanco about him, and I don't mean that in a good way. But don't you worry. O'Neill Cruz will leave the Pirates and get a lot better, just like everybody else does. This is the Mark Madden Show. You like it, you love it, you want more of it. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call, or you can do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter. We've got Mike Rupp wrapping up the Stanley Cup playoffs at 3.30. In the 4 o'clock hour, we have Tim Benz talking Steelers and Penguins. Then at 5.15 to get us up to date on the WrestleRex wrestling card at Enclave on the South Side tomorrow night. It's the star of the show and founder of the feast. He is Pittsburgh's own Sam Adonis. That number to call again, 412-333-WXDX. Turning down to the Penguins, I had a terrible dream last night. Now, it's just a dream. I've not heard this is going to happen. But what if? What if Ron Hextall signed his buddy from Philadelphia, Claude Giroux, after he got and extended his buddy from L.A., Jeff Carter? What if Claude Giroux replaced Evgeny Malkin in Pittsburgh? I don't think it's going to happen, but what if? And since there's no concrete info out there on what is going to happen, boy, the mind races. By the way, there's a report Giroux had a chance to go to Colorado at the trade deadline, but chose instead to go to Florida because of the weather. Once a loser, always a loser. Once a flyer, always a flyer. We've got to get some Penguins news soon, you would think. The draft is July 7th, the week from tomorrow. A lot of trades get made at the draft because all the general managers are there and the Penguins need to make some trades. Free agency hits on July 13. If Malkin and Latang aren't signed by the draft or, let's say, the day after, they're going to get the free agency and then Latang is definitely gone, but maybe not Malkin. Hextall looks cheap if what we're told is true about his negotiations so far, that he's lowballing and offering no more than three-year deals. Maybe that's Fenway Sports Group, or maybe Hextall is just afraid 
to make decisions. I'm not kidding. It looks psychological. This guy doesn't like to talk to the media, doesn't like to talk to people in his organization. He seems borderline agoraphobic. Uh, by the way, TSN projects Logan Coley of West Mifflin to go number three overall to Arizona on the first night of the draft. That's number three to Arizona, and then he'll never be heard from again. Speaking of Arizona, Phil Kessel is going to be a free agent on July 13th. Kessel might be done. He had eight game, excuse me, I can't believe I'm reading this, can't fathom that it's true. Kessel had eight goals in 82 games last year. Eight goals in 82 games. He kept his consecutive game streak going, but he was minus 24. But hey, bring him back to Pittsburgh. Derek Broussard's available in free agency too. Bring back Kessel and Broussard and Flower and Latang and Malkin and Straka and Kovalev and Lang. But seriously, it's all going to go down soon. It has to. Or it's not. I hear that all Hextall is offering is three-year deals. It's a shame he didn't stick to that last year when he gave Brock McGinn a four-year deal. He gave Brock McGinn four years. He won't give it to Latang. That's just mind-boggling. Offering three-year deals, and that's it. That's not going to work. Not with Latang and non-free agency. You give McGinn four years and won't give Latang more than three. I guarantee that in four or five years, Chris Latang will still be a better player than Brock McGinn. At 40, Chris Latang will be better than Brock McGinn ever was. Uh, hey, if the Penguins lose Latang and Malkin, they're rebuilding whether they know it or not. They're not going to win a cup with this group if Latang and Malkin stay. This core is done winning cups, but they're not going to win another cup in the Crosby era anyway if they rebuild. It's a matter of which way you choose to decline. Uh, if Sid's going to win another cup, he's going to have to win it somewhere else. Uh, but you're rebuilding if those guys leave. And you can't really truly rebuild unless you trade Sid. What happens between now and free agency is going to determine the path of the Penguins franchise for years to come. And I don't think Hextall is the guy to make those decisions. I think Fenway Sports Group should have brought in elite management, their management, when they took over the team. Now you've got a bunch of recycled has-beens in Burke and Hextall who are concerned about keeping their jobs more than anything. Not rebuilding. Nothing is more concerning to them than keeping their jobs. That said, the quick fix would be to keep Latang and Malkin because, well, even just with Latang, you, you make the playoffs. I just don't trust Extall to do this. I just absolutely 100% do not. And if you do, please cite evidence as to why, because I would just love to hear it. 412-333-WXDX. I heard Vince Williams on a podcast with Arthur Motes. And Vince Williams said the reason his Steelers, you know, when he played for them, the reason his Steelers didn't win more is because they played in the Tom Brady era. How are you going to win with a guy like Brady? 
How are you going to beat him? Nobody beat him. Well, some teams did beat him, and it's also worth noting that Vince Williams Steelers only lost one playoff game to Tom Brady. Tom Brady didn't play for Jacksonville in that playoff loss or for Cleveland in the other playoff loss. So what Vince said is just lame. It's an inaccurate excuse, and it's a reminder that over the last decade, the Steelers have mostly been good for one thing, and that is blah, 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 blah. All talk, no rings, all hat, no cattle, the no-ring mafia. Shut up, Vince. You only lost to Brady once in the playoffs. He didn't keep you from getting where you wanted to go except the one time. The Steelers the past 10 years, blah, 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 blah. All they did was talk. 412-333-WXDX, the number to call. We got Mike Rupp at the bottom of the hour. Uh, We got the Bucko Roundup just around the corner. I was looking at the list of potential free agents in hockey. They could bring back Broussard, Kessel, Galchenyuk, uh, Nick Bukestat, Riley Shane. Bring those guys back. The Penguins are a winner right away. 412-333-WXDX is the Mark Madden Show on 105.9. Time now for the Bucko Roundup. The Pirates lost 3-1 last night at D.C. Quintana pitched well. That creep can roll, man. But the Pirates only got six hits. And O'Neill Cruz and Chavez combined to leave 10 men on base. The Pirates have now lost five in a row. They're on their way to six in a row because they trailed today at D.C., 6-4 at the end of five innings. By the way, the Pirates have a worse record than the Washington Nationals. But that don't matter. If losing is your disease, the Pirates are the cure. And that is the Bucko Roundup. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. I'm really worried about the Penguins' offseason. Not because I feel like the resources aren't there to make it work. I just don't feel like Hextall's the GM to make it work. Don't trust him. Don't trust Burke. If I were Fenway, I would have got rid of both of them. And, you know, it won't take long to find out. Right about July 15th, we'll know where the Penguins are headed. Not just for this year, but for the next several. I still think they should bring back Phil Kessel. Uh, turning out of basketball, as we do more and more this time of year, the dog days of sports talk. Oh, wait, I got an addendum to my Dave Kingman story I told a couple days ago because I, I, I wrote that story about Dave Kingman getting his autograph uh, at an old-timers game and telling him he was my favorite player as a kid. 
the first time that I ever was on Sports Talk Radio was in 1977. Kingman was available for a waiver deal, you know, after the trade deadline. And I called John Cygnus show, which wasn't, strictly speaking, just a sports show, but he often talks sports. I called John Cygnus show on KDKA and said the Pirates should get Kingman. So that was where it all started for Double M on the radio. But uh, getting back to basketball, <clears throat> Stephen A. Smith of ESPN called out Kyrie Irving. He said Irving has to show up to work this year because it's the last year of his deal. You know, Irving's barely played for Brooklyn in the three years because of injuries, vaccine issues, et cetera. He's only played 45% of the games over the past three years. So he opted in for some absurdly big figure. What was it, uh, $39 million. What was he going to do, opt out of $39 million? Come on. But he's mad because he didn't get a long-term deal yet from Brooklyn, and I wouldn't give him a long-term deal either if he only played 45% of the games over the first three years I had him. But Kyrie was mad about what Stephen A. Smith said and said his dad and uncles would beat up Stephen A. Smith. He threatened to have his dad and uncles beat up Stephen A. Smith. Why would anybody employ Kyrie Irving? I wouldn't trust him to wash my car, let alone pay him millions to play basketball. But, yeah, like Kyrie Irving, here's the number, like Kyrie Irving was ever going to opt out of $36.9 million. You make $36.9 million, it shouldn't matter what happens after. Unless you're like Lev Bell and Adrian Peterson and have two, 300 kids between you. Uh, but athletes suck. Even the supposed good guys, they suck. Freddie Freeman, the baseball player, he, he loved playing in Atlanta. Won the World Series with the Braves last year. Became a free agent, signed with L.A. Now he's sorry he left Atlanta, and he fired his agent. He fired his agent like his agent coerced him to sign with Los Angeles. That's deflecting. Freeman's agent didn't make him leave Atlanta and sign with the Dodgers. Freddie Freeman made that decision. Point being, and it stands, even the nice guy athletes have quite a bit of douchebag in them. I don't blame them. That's just their profession. Let's go to Ace in the Sticks. Ace, you're on with Double M. Ace, you're on the air. Can you hear me? I can. I can. Start talking. Oh. oh, so Crosby, my concern, I'm curious and concerned. If, if the core does break apart, I'm curious to see how his reaction will be if they do become a losing team. Do you think he'll tolerate, you know, some downtime? Or do you think if they do go through a stretch of maybe two or three years if, where if they you made stink me predict, and they're not good? If you made me predict, if Malkin and Latang don't play for the Penguins this year and they miss the playoffs, Crosby will ask to be traded next offseason. That's my prediction. And I, and I have no inside knowledge yep. to uh, base that on, but I don't think Sid's going to want to stay here to help the Penguins rebuild. Then again, I, I think Sid's winning, done 
Sid has done winning Stanley Cups here no matter what they do with Malkin and Latang. If they keep Malkin and Latang, that core can't win. If they lose Malkin and Latang, they don't have the prospects or the resources to do a quick rebuild. The way for Sid to get a fourth cup would have been to trade Malkin for a huge package in 2018 or 19, but Sid wouldn't have liked that either. You see, Sid wants to win on his terms, and maybe that's not possible here in Pittsburgh anymore. Right. I see how competitive he is and how angry he can get, you know, slamming sticks and just, you know, getting really pissed off about losing. I, he hates to be the serial winner. He hates to lose. Well, and yeah, I, but, but, I, but I, I also Sidney Crosby has been very lucky that he came to an organization that was poised to win as soon as he got here. You, you know, he's never been on a bad, bad team. They missed the playoffs the first year, and that's it. And even that team wasn't horrible. You know, he, he, he might not get it in that regard. And, and good for him if he's never lost, but he might not get it. He's not like one of these guys like Nathan McKinnon who went to a Colorado team that was terrible when he got there. Right. Right, his, his career might be like the inverse of, of Crosby. <laughs> well, where he wins more, well, I don't know. I don't think McKinnon's going to win three cups. Thank you for the call. Okay, up next, speaking of hockey, we're going to talk about hockey with Mike Rupp, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You're kidding me. That's ridiculous. You know what, I'm going to skip right to my original thought and just say this is stupid, you're stupid, thanks for calling. The X at 105.9. Hockey season is over, but the draft and free agency is just around the corner. Joining us now to discuss the Stanley Cup winner with New Jersey. He is all over the hockey media. He is former Penguin Mike Rupp. Rupper, is Colorado a special team? Because they left no doubt all season long, and the exclamation point was going 16-4 and in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I think they are. I think they are special, and I think that they're a team that's going to be around for a little bit still, a uh, number of years. I mean, they got a lot of guys. Under contract, they're going to have to look a little different. I don't know if we'll see a more loaded roster as far as depth with NHL-caliber players. Um, this was probably their most talented group, but their guys are going to keep getting better. And the thing I like about them a lot is that Jared Bednar even said it between games five and six, um, you know, when they lost that. When they uh, lost game five uh, in Colorado to go back to Tampa, he was like, you know, in those situations, usually you have a coach saying, well, we need to buckle down in these areas. We got to tighten it up here. And this guy was like, no, man, we got to go. We got to go. That's who we are. We're a team that's on the gas and we go, go, go. So I love it. I think it's kind of the new age hockey where you locate, you certainly locate what you're not good at and try to get better, but it's more important to locate what you do different, what you do better than most. And they're a high octane team. And you saw it. I mean, even that third period of game six, Tampa couldn't do anything. Tampa, Tampa, Tampa couldn't cross the red line. I mean, in that building and watching, it's like when they gained the offensive blue line, it was like the crowd was cheering. You know, it wasn't even a scoring chance. So this is a team that understands who they are, and they stay true to it. So I don't think anything's going to change. They're a special group. You touched on this a moment ago. What happens now with the Avalanche? Because the core is going to be back, but there's like nine free agents, including Kemper, and you generally don't keep free agents that are – your depth players. Uh, history shows that. In fact, Tampa Bay couldn't. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think that the the one guy I think that's going to be extremely hard to keep is Nazem Kadri. I just think what he did this year, um, he was a Hart Trophy discussion type player for probably 60 games. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he he's a player that I, I don't know. Maybe he priced himself out of there. Darcy Kemper's one where, I mean, if they can just, he, he would probably have to take less to stay there, but I think he's one that 
he, uh, there's certain players that when you look at situations, when you see a team and how good you won, and they're going to be in that mix here for a while longer, um, maybe you take less and, and it prolong, prolongs your career on the back end, you know, to be a part of those types of teams. So uh, it, it, they will look different. I think, again, Nas is going to be a really tough one for them to, to get, but they got some interesting things that happened. I mean, Bo Byram was a player that got elevated because of Samuel Gerrard going out um, and getting hurt. I mean, they had Jack Johnson come in the lineup, but Bo Byram got more ice time. And I'd say in the playoffs, late in the playoffs, he was their third best defenseman behind McCarr and Tate. So I think that that kind of is, it makes Samuel Gerrard expendable. And I, I want to say he's around four or 5 million. So it'll free up some, some cash in that area. Um, th- th- this is a team, though, when you talk about their build and even their trade deadline moves that they made this year, you date it back a number of years. I mean, Joe Sackick, it's pretty impressive what he's done there. I mean, every move he makes makes sense, and it works. So uh, it-, it will look different. Uh, we always see that when teams win cups, but the core is going to be there, and that core is pretty special. Is Kale McCarr a top-five defenseman all-time already? Because I saw Bork and Potvin play, and they're in my top five. I think McCarr's better right now. Yeah, I mean, it, I always hesitate doing that, um, Mads, because to be honest with you, I didn't start watching hockey till the 90s. So it, it was – I don't really have, like, uh, you know, when you're comparing it to Bobby. I know Bobby Orr is pretty much universally the best defenseman ever, right? So uh, I don't think that you can say a guy's that yet. But he's he's in the conversation. I mean, the numbers he's putting up were behind Paul Coffey and and uh, and Bobby Orr. I mean, they, they we're seeing some. He's different in the way he does it. I mean, yes, I, I would say he's a top five guy probably now. But you know, to compare him to some of those guys, um, uh, you know, in that top five, it, it's tough. But he is. Yeah, put it this way, I think he's elevated himself in the conversation of the top three to five players in the league right now. I mean, he he's right there. So I mean, this is a guy that this year we saw him win the uh, we saw him win the, the Norris. We saw him win the Consmite. He already won the Calder. He won the Hobie Baker in college. I mean, this this kid's going to be a defenseman that's in the conversation for the Hart Trophy. I think in these coming years, and that's tough because a lot of people think, well, D already have their their award. That's the Norris, but he's that good. I think you got to put him in that conversation with the top players in the league. Uh, speaking of which, where's Nate McKinnon now in the current hierarchy? Because uh, now he's a great player with the Stanley Cup, which he had to get. Yeah, I, I still think Nathan McKinnon is a is a top um, man. It's it gets hard. It feels like we're throwing so many guys' names around for top five, and we're always doing that type of stuff. I mean, it, for me, I, I'm still in no no order. I'm saying that you've got uh, McDavid, Matthews. I said still up there for me, um, McCarr, McKinnon. I mean, that there's five guys right there. I'm sure I'm missing some of the guys that could be in that conversation. But Nathan McKinnon is still at that upper echelon. He's got the cup now. He's got that cup. And uh, th- that hopefully will help him. I, I find that the one thing in the playoffs, he's so tightly wound and he wants to win so badly that sometimes he tries to do everything himself. And I think we saw that in parts of the finals. Like he – tries to win the game every shift which sounds like isn't that the isn't that the goal <laughs> but uh maybe now he can relax a little bit rely on his teammates and i might be able to free him up a little bit that he's got that cup but he he's uh he's up there and uh that does a lot for him just like it did Ovi. i mean Ovi, everyone if Ovi didn't win that cup 
I think that people would really question where he stands, but he got his one cup, and, and I think that really elevates him, and, and it does the same to Nathan McKinnon. We're talking to Mike Rupp here on the home of the Penguins, 105.9. What happens now with Tampa? Will they fade like the Penguins are and like Detroit, Chicago, and L.A. did? Um, I, I think they're still going to be in that mix. They're still going to be in the hunt um, because because of a bunch of things. I mean, they got the guys under contract. Um, they're a team that's just been – uh, they, they're going to have to look different again. They're probably, in my opinion, going to lose Andre Pilat, which I actually think would be an amazing fit in Pittsburgh. I mean, this guy can do everything, and he's a reliable guy all over the ice. Um, but I don't know. Maybe Nick Paul really, with his age and what he showed in the playoffs, it's going to come down to Nick Paul and Andre Pilat. I think they'd probably go the Paul route, but the rest of the core stays together. And this team's still going to be one of the big dogs in the Eastern Conference. I mean, you've got Vasi, you've got Hedman, Kucherov get a healthy point. Stammer is still doing his thing. I mean, they're a very talented group. So, um, you know, I, I think what's going to come into play is a lot of people are always going to say, well, look how much hockey they've played in the last few years. Are they, they can certainly be a team next year. They can compete for the president's trophy or to be honest with you, just like they did this year, they could be a team that finishes third in their division, but you don't want to play them in the playoffs, but they're, they're going to be good for a number of years. So they're still kind of adding to that story, right? They've, they've won, or sorry, gone to six of the last eight Eastern Conference Finals. They've gone to four of the last eight Stanley Cup Finals. They very well could be back there next year, or, you know, just we, we see, in, especially in Pittsburgh, how tough it is to, to, to get back there. And uh, so they're going to be a very good team still. Well, I think with Vassy, that's going to allow them to hang in there longer than some of the other teams we talked about. And I also wonder, Rupper, if Braden Point plays, does that final series go any different? Uh, yeah, you know, I thought about that. I, I, I don't think it does. I mean, it certainly helps, but <clears throat> I think the the best team won, and it was pretty apparent. I mean, I mean, you can argue. I think that's what made Tampa special in my mind is what they were this year in the playoffs wasn't like they were the last two seasons. They, they found ways this playoffs. I mean, to be frank, they 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 were not the best team in round one against Toronto. They they could have and very well probably should have lost round one. Um, Vassy came in in game six and seven and stole that for them there. They uh, absolutely destroyed Florida in round two. And uh, the Rangers series, they were down 0-2, and they found a way to come back and went four straight. So um, it, it wasn't pretty all the time, but that's what I like about that. They just they find a way, and it doesn't matter what it looks like. They're comfortable playing uncomfortably in the playoffs. And uh, that, that's why I think this team is going to be back uh, again. But Braden Point would have helped, but I think the, the, the correct team won. I mean, Colorado is, is something different. Uh, what's your take on ABC's coverage of the final, in particular the last game? Because the ratings were big, and I like that they stayed with the celebration for almost an hour. Yeah, I like it. They, they stayed with it longer than, than usual, and, and that's part of it that I didn't know what they are going to do because like we were in the arena, and we have to wait – until we get the okay from ABC to come on for the NHL network. And it was going on forever, but it was good because I thought because Colorado won in Tampa that they would not be on the ice very long. They would get back in the locker room to do their celebrating. Uh, They stayed on the ice and I liked that ABC picked it up. I think those are awesome, awesome moments that you're able to capture. I, I, the numbers have certainly been up. They're, they're automatically going to be up more than they were with NBC because ESPN and ABC is they're in more, more households. So the numbers are going to be up there. I thought both networks um, 
did a very good job in year one. I, I think both are going to be pivoting and making some adjustments just like anybody would after year one. But I, I was happy with it. The numbers were good. And uh, let's see how they build off of it. Uh, it's kind of cool that Jack Johnson won the cup, isn't it? All the problems he's had financially with his parents. He was a whipping boy in Pittsburgh. I'm happy for Jack. Yeah, so am I. You know, I mean, Jack Johnson's just had that. You know, I've said it to you on the show before, too. It's like when I used to watch Eli Manning, Eli Manning's body language doesn't do him any justice, right? There's just something about Jack Johnson that just made him easy for people to pick on. But he, even in this series, like, is he a, is he a perfect defenseman? No, he's not. But he's serviceable. He came in, he did a good job for them, and they need him. He, wasn't, he, was, a, he was their seventh D-man. And when Samuel Girard comes, um, comes out of the lineup, and gets hurt for the playoffs. He comes in, he did a good job. I just, even when he went to New York, I'm watching him when he went to the Rangers, and I'm thinking just from the experience that I saw in Pittsburgh, I'm like, oh gosh, first game in New York. Like, I think it was even his first shift. He gets walked and gets a goal score against. He was minus two in the first period. I'm like, oh my gosh, here it goes. And the same thing happened. The Ranger fans get all over him. And we, we've heard, and we know that he's friends with Sid. We've always heard he's a great guy. So it's good seeing those things, the guys persevering. But I'll tell you this much. Where our set was, right in front of us, was Colorado family section. And Jack Johnson, I, I, I'm almost positive it was his brother, but it was certainly a relative of his. His, his brother was standing there. And, and this was a cool moment, seeing the families all come together, the parents, the wives, girlfriends, siblings. And Jack Johnson's brother was bawling, hands over his face. And I get goosebumps talking about it, and just remembering what I saw. And Jack Johnson skates over with the cup by the glass, and he's he's pumping the cup up in the air to his to his family, and it's just it's cool. The guy had to sit down; he couldn't even stand up, and and I, that's what the cup is like. They, you know, everybody's involved in this, and just all those things that you mentioned with Jack Johnson, from what he went through in his family life to the struggles, and kind of, you know, he's he's the whipping boy, and he got it done. And uh, so whatever happens from here on out for Jack Johnson's absolute gravy, and I love seeing those types of stories. Uh, the draft is next week. Free agency starts the week after. Don't the Penguins have to decide soon about Malkin and Latang? This is really dragging, and, and that is a bit worrisome for me. Yeah, it it, it is. Um, you know, I, I it's it's very interesting. They've been very good at keeping things pretty tight. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, um, you know, I've kind of casually spoken to to. Chris Letang, he doesn't say nothing. Like he's adamant that this is all going to stay quiet, right? So um, you, you you hope that both sides keep it, I guess, quiet and, and and find ways to do whatever they need to do to to get a job done. But time is is of the essence here. You got the draft coming up. There's going to be some surprises at the draft too, because you know at the finals when you're there with all these insiders and different people out there, the conversations now is Shane Wright, who is supposed to be number one overall. Hearing that Montreal's thinking this, um, the the Slovak kid. Right, um, I've heard that two. too. Yeah, the Slovak kid might be taking that over. So that puts number two, Devils, in their build right now. I, I I don't think they wanted that that Slovak kid. And now that Montreal may take them, this may throw a wrench. I I think the Devils could trade down and give up that second overall pick, who's Shane Wright, who has been a number one it's been the projected number one for like the past four years, right? So uh, they, it could be a, a real crazy draft day. And 
I don't know, all teams that could affect a lot of teams. Maybe that affects the Penguins some way, shape, or form. But um, they've got to make some really tough decisions. And with the draft and free agency coming up, uh, you would expect that to happen soon. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of trades at the draft. There always is. All the GMs are there. But i got to be honest, Rupper, I don't trust Hextall. I think this is a crucial offseason. I think he's had a very vanilla tenure as the Penguins GM to date. And I also feel like it's this simple. If the Penguins keep Latang, they make the playoffs. If he leaves, they miss the playoffs, period. I, I agree with that. I, and, and it's tough, though. So, so yes, maybe it's been vanilla with him, but it certainly is not going to be now. Any way he chooses right now, it's going to be drastic for the future of this team. So if they, if they some, somehow find a way to keep both of these guys, whether Latang and, and Malkin, I, that, could, that could change the future. And, I mean, both ways. It could be negative. You know, I don't know. I, me personally – and I hate to say this. I hate to say this. I think you have to move on from Evgeny Malkin. Like, I just think it's time. Uh, Chris Letang's the one that I don't think they can afford to lose, but I, it's just I, I feel like it's time. But, you know, I don't know if they're going to do that. And, well, the uh, problem, Rupper, is, is kinda... if, if they let those guys go or let even one of them go, uh, let alone both, they can't rebuild. They don't have anything in the system. I mean, I just think yeah. Sid's done winning cups in Pittsburgh. I think to win a cup, he has to go somewhere else. And I'm wondering if that won't be a consideration if the Penguins have a real bad year this coming year. I don't, I don't see that, though. I think Sid's going to be a Penguin for life. And uh, I, don't, I, I don't think right now, this upcoming season, this team's going to be in a position to win a cup. I don't. But if they do drastic moves or, or make some – I mean, if they, if they do some crazy things – right now in this offseason things that probably will hurt right now it, it could help them later i mean they but they do have to fill that cover because they don't have anybody to come in through they at least that we're talking about right like there's nobody that they're saying this kid's this kid's coming up he's ready to go he's going to take second line center that there's that doesn't exist right there's been some free agents out there that people have talked about i mean vinnie trocheck everybody's talking about uh, it, it they have the opportunity but that opportunity to to keep that keep it going with Sid and possibly have Sid win another cup, it's going to come by some painful decisions. Rupper, great stuff as always. We'll talk again real soon. Awesome, buddy. Have a good one. That is Mike Rupp. I'm Mark Madden. Let's talk hockey. Let's talk Steelers. Let's talk O'Neill Cruz finally drawing a walk today. I've been making fun of Cruz not walking in his first, what was it, didn't walk in his first uh, 45 at-bats. And people say, well, on-base isn't important. It's all home runs. I'm really getting that on Twitter. Yeah, because you'd hate for guys to be on base when your team hits home runs. 105.9 X. Double M on the X. Thanks to Mike Rupp for joining me. As he does every week during hockey season. And really, hockey season never ends here on the Mark Madden Show. The Latang and Malkin situation is just, it's nuts. I, part of me, I think I'd like to turn the page from those two, but I do not trust Textall to spend that cap money wisely. Malkin and Latang get in the playoffs next year. The happy medium is just keeping Latang. He gets in the playoffs next year. But I don't trust Textall. I don't. What's he done to make me trust him? To make you trust him? 
CW Electrical Services are the sponsor for No Quarter. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Uh, I still think it's hilarious that Vince Williams on a podcast he'd done with Arthur Moats says the reason the Steelers didn't win more in his era was because of the Tom Brady dynasty in New England. When the Steelers only lost one playoff game uh, during Williams' career to the Tom Brady dynasty in New England. It, it amazes me that football players say absolute horse manure and they don't think we'll notice that it's absolute horse manure. Then again, that's what Coach T taught him. It's not a lie if you believe it. Uh, we're going to talk to Tim Benz about the Steelers a little bit at the bottom of the next hour. Uh, keeping with the nostalgia theme where I talked about my Dave Kingman story and my Rocket Richard story and my Willie Stargell story. Yesterday was the anniversary of the last Pirates game at Forbes Field out in Oakland in 1970. Uh, and by the way, isn't it amazing that the Pirates switched home ballparks in midseason? They did. They started the 1970 season in Forbes Field. They ended it at Three River Stadium. That's pretty unusual and incredible. I was at the last game at Forbes Field and the first game at Three Rivers. I loved the Pirates back then. But now they don't love anybody back. At least... You got to see somebody walk once in a while back then. O'Neill Cruz got his first walk ever today. But getting on base doesn't matter. The game's all about solo home runs. Uh, Forbes Field was great. Forbes Field was a real old-time ballpark. It was legit old-time. It was organic, that field. PNC Park is a copy of the vibe Forbes Field had. And that's cool. But uh, an old-timer like myself... Forbes Field will always be a copy. Forbes Field was huge. 457 feet to dead center. They kept the batting cages out in center field because they figured "Ah, nobody's going to hit it out there. Only one guy ever hit a home run over dead center field. 457, Dr. Strangeglove, uh, Dick Stewart. Uh, Roberto Clemente would often lead the league in triples back then because there was so much room at Forbes Field to hit triples. Let's go to Devin in South Hills. Devin, you're on with Mark. You're on the air. Hey, Mark, how's it going? It'd be better if you talk. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, how long um, would a contract, like if you're a GM, how long are you going to give a contract to Chris, Chris Letang and for how much? I'd give Letang $8 million a year for five years if that's what it takes to keep him. You think that would be, uh, like, at the end of his contract, you think that would be worth it, or would you try to offer No, no, it, it wouldn't be worth it at the end of his contract. But you got Sid for three more years, so I think you're focusing on the next three years. So if you've got to give him five years to make sure you have him for three years, I think you do it. All right, that's what I was wondering. I mean, I uh, don't 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 forget, you. they want to still win while they have Sid. They're not going to. They just don't have enough resources to rebuild, not enough prospects, not enough young guys. But the key is to sell the illusion to the fans and sell the illusion to Sid as well. Yeah. 
So what do you think is better to move on from everything now, or do you think they should keep selling the illusion? If, if Steve Eiserman was my general manager, I would want to move on and trust on him to rebuild the team. But Ron Hextall's my general manager, so I want to keep Latang and maybe even Malkin the more I think about it. I don't trust Hextall to use the cap space opened up by Malkin and Latang. I just don't think he'll use it wisely. Quite honestly, I think he'll mangle it. Thank you for the call. Up next, I beat this dead horse a lot, but you can't give Deontay Johnson the big money that wideouts are getting. Just can't do it. 105.9.